Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you spending some of your evening with us. Tonight, we're continuing continuing our discussion with Jim Catlin, who's the pastor of the Main Street Church in Brigham City. He's told us an interesting story. We've learned uh, that he was uh, uh, worked for Hewlett Packard for many years, uh, married, has four children, and he came to Utah because God wanted him here. And so uh, we welcome again Jim Catlin. Thanks for coming. And it's great to be here again. Having yeah. our story. Yeah. One thing that I was interested, I know you've, uh, you also produce not only this show, but you also produce Polygamy, What Love Is This? Yeah, right. How has that been working with Doris Hansen? Oh, Doris is a kick, isn't she? Isn't she fun? Just a sweetheart. Yeah, we, had, uh, we got involved in that because of that, the DVD the church did about polygamy. Lifting, lifting the Veil. veil of and she polygamy. was one of the you know, um, dozen or so people that were interviewed on that. And, and she shared her heart with us at the time, saying, I've always wanted to leave the job I'm doing and minister back to polygamous groups because that's where I came from. And she so she did. She left her job. Such a heart for them. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it fascinating because initially I said, well, Doris, now that you're free to do this, how do you find the polygamists? Because short of Hilldale and Colorado City, you know, the Short Creekers, it's like the rest of the polygamous community is deliberately hiding. Yeah. So how do you find how them? Do you get these out? And I, know, I don't know. We wrestled with that a long time. And then boom, out of the blue comes a call from TV20. And, yeah. and then he says, do you want to have a TV show? And we said, hey, there's one way to let people know how yeah. to make contact. And, and seven so years on. later, and seven years shows later. after. We didn't think we'd have four or five weeks of shows to do. It's like, what are you supposed to do now? Because yeah. that was back when Warren Jeffs was doing his thing. He was in the news. He was on the top 10 list for the FBI. And so we thought, gosh, when Warren Jeffs you know, goes in custody, we don't yeah, have a show anymore. No show. <laughs> and interesting that God would be able to use your technical skills yeah, as a that came in pretty handy. engineer to, yeah, uh, to yeah, come here and came in produce. Handy. And you, do, you and Scott Johnson do the technical work here. Yeah, so. we're always behind the scenes. So when you see the, when you see the TV's <laughs> pictures change, that's us pushing buttons. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you live in Brigham City. Brigham City, right. And within right. the last couple of years, they've opened up a temple up there. They have indeed, you, 2012. Did you get to go through it? I went through it. You know, actually, I went through with an old HP friend of mine. He oh, had since did. left HP and was working as a, a professor up at BYU-Idaho, you know, yeah. Rick's College. And so he called me up and said, I'm coming down. We're going to go through the temple. You want to go with me? And we said, sure. And we happened to go on the busiest day of the entire year. Oh, and, uh, for, for the open house. For the open house, yeah. It was actually on a holiday weekend, and it was oh. a Monday of the holiday weekend. And so there was just a bazillion people. The line to go into the temple went around the block, totally on the sidewalk. Wow. And then it went in the parking garage and zigzagged and zigzagged. And it was four hours between when we got out of our car and back into our car again, hmm. just to tour that. But yeah, I, that. Well, the temple is an interesting topic, and I thought we'd spend just a sure. minute on it. Um, and then I do want to kind of go back to your interaction with Mormons and former Mormons. Sure, but, yeah. But the temple, uh, were you surprised at what Mormons do in temples and what they say temples are for? 
Yeah. Based on your knowledge of yeah. Solomon's temple, Herod's temple. Yeah, and again, like I said before, I'm always going to reflexively go back and say, what do I know about the temple in the Bible? And yeah, does, give me a does temple it now. How does it? What does the Bible say right. about it? And I'm sure it. it I'm, I was sure it couldn't have matched because it was all sacrifices of animals, and I and I never saw blood running out in the streets from Mormon temples. So then when I did find out, it, it took until I came here to Utah to find out. But when I found out what went on in temples and it was, uh, you know, baptisms for the dead and ceilings for marriage and sings of families together and endowments and all that kind of stuff, you know, again, it's natural for me to say, and I find that nowhere in the Bible. Yeah. And, and, but it's not, again, it's not a gap. It's like the Bible doesn't speak about what goes on in temples. I had a phone call with a guy right after I moved here, and I said, well, we know what went on in the Old Testament temples. He said, oh, no, that's a secret, you know, and that's why I can't tell you what goes on in my temple either. And I said, And no. he really believes that. He did. I was yeah. shocked. I, well, I did too. I, I mean, thought I he was kidding me. I have to say, I have yeah. to believe that. And I said, no, you can turn back to Leviticus, and it's all spelled out. You we know thought I mean? those were the plain and precious things probably right. taken out of the Bible. Right. But it, it spells out exactly what goes on. Now, not everyone exactly can do it. Exactly. Size, the the format, right. the when holy of holies, the veil of the temple, dimensions, and, room, yeah. everything. Yeah, and so it's it's very spelled out. So it's not secret at all, but it is restricted who can be in there, and that's back to the Levitical priests and stuff like sure. that. And so it's very clear. So I told the guy on the phone. I said, No, we we know what they did. It's we don't have a gap here. We know this. And I and I said, and it's you know it's okay with me if you want to have temples that do something else, but just don't connect it to a biblical temple because we know what went on there and it doesn't match at all. Yeah. At all. And don't you love the symbolism of the veil being rent? Yeah. And yeah. Jesus shedding his blood on the oh, cross. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the temple itself, the biblical temple, was was so symbolic of the bigger issues about who Christ is. Yeah. And and uh, and in fact, you know And the whole looking forward of him coming and Mm -hmm. and doing what Isaiah said was going to happen. Blood to being shed uh, yeah. to cleanse us from our sin. It's, it's a fascinating thing in the Old Testament. You look, and here's God who says, I want to live in your midst. You remember when he brings them out of Egypt, he says, we're all going to be in tents, and when we camp out in the desert, you know, we will have four tribes this way, or three tribes this way, three, 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 and Around I'll be right the in the middle. Yeah. And, but, but unfortunately, although I want to live in your midst, and I'll be in an tent too, you can't come near to me because you got a problem with sin. So, so he establishes all these sacrifices. And, and if you think about it, in the Old Testament, the temple is where God wanted to physically represent himself. You can't contain him in a temple, but he says, I want to live in your midst. But the, entire, the entirety of what went on in the temple was due to our sinfulness. All those sacrifice, it was consumed with our sinfulness. That's why they brought the animals, wasn't it? That's why it? they to, brought to the pay animals. For, was yeah. it to pay for their sins pay for, for the year sins. or something? Yeah. Or? So it was, all about, it was all about the inability of Israel to be able to come near to God because of their own sins. And so that was what the activity was consumed with. Now, you don't see that in Mormon temples either. Well, no, nothing about baptism for the dead, like you say, right. or marriages. Right. right, no marriages. No endowments. And no Masonic symbols no Masonic and symbols. handshakes and all that stuff. And only one person passed through the veil. Yeah, you know, the high priest. The high priest, once a year, very carefully controlled. and Sprinkled even the blood on the... Sprinkled the blood on what, what was the, the Ark of the Covenant. It was right inside that veil. And the blood would be sprinkled on this. It, it was really quite a stunning sight, I have to believe, because the, the Ark of the Covenant, you remember like, you know, Raiders yeah, of the Lost Ark. Yeah. It's, it's a wooden box. It's completely covered with gold. It has some gold angels on it. And it was just pristine, you know, until every year the high priest would come in and sprinkle blood on that. So here's this beautiful gold box 
that's got old blood sprinkled on it. And it actually looks like a pathway, a, pr a pathway to God is paved with this blood of a sacrifice. The only way to come to God is through blood itself because of our sin. Yeah. As I came out of Mormonism and I started looking critically at everything, whether it was mas yeah. masonry, the temple, Book of Abraham, the changes in the Book of Mormon, right, right, uh, right. priesthood, the cross, grace, everything, the dominoes just kept falling. Did you, yeah. you had this background, have Mormons come, former Mormons come to you with different things and, and yeah. explain some of this to you? Yeah, because when I, when I first started having conversations in Utah with Mormons, and uh, mostly on the phone, they'd call up angry at our DVDs. <laughs> oh, is that what you, it was, that pretty was your first frequent. interaction? Huh? And, and then email started to pick up. But oh, yeah, yeah, and you, so you start the conversations. And again, you know, here's Jim reflexively as an evangelical Christian saying, well, I'm going to measure this what I read in the Bible, and this is what I read in the Bible. And, uh, and most Mormons, uh, well, all, all Mormons I talked to at the time had never read any of those things, like the Levitical rites for the temple, all that kind of stuff. Did you have to deal first with the fact that they didn't trust the Bible? Yeah, that and that came up early on. Too. Came on early on, and, uh, and that was one thing I didn't quite understand either. So, yeah. uh, so it got to be, you know, the, I found out there was an agreement with what the Bible said until it disagreed with what, you know, the presidents or the general authorities taught, and then, then you must have run up against a uh, translation error in the Bible. So that was really frustrating to me because we'd be moving toward this, you know, the Bible says A, B, C, D, E, O, uh, and that must be wrong because it's translated correctly. Yeah. And so then I had to spend much more time talking about, well, let's talk about the Bible for a second. I mean, why, why do you see it as being so untrustworthy? Especially after Joseph Smith fixed it. I could never yeah. understand that. Did you ever understand why they don't use the J Joseph Smith translation? It, to this very day, it's it's a common question I ask missionaries, and I say, you know, I just don't get this. I, I, if he really changed it, brought it current. Right, here finished, you've got a... And he says he finished the translation. And he says he finished it, yeah. yeah. And in fact, there is a church that publishes it. it yeah. It's the RLDS, you know, the Community, the community Christ, of Christ. But it, it's in publication. That usually shocks people. So <laughs> I thought, well, you know, why, did, why does it that a church has a founding prophet, it, the founding prophet fixes the problems in the Bible that, you know, Articles of Faith says it has these problems, he fixes it and then they don't publish it. Does that, what? Yeah. You, <laughs> I kept running up against these, I don't get this at all. Is it par probably part, partly because the church always has had this effort to um, appear Christian Christian, yeah. and in the main movement of life. Right, I right. mean, they don't want to be too far out, even though they have strange doctrines, the polygamy and other yeah, things. Yeah, and, that's, that, and I think that's really what it is. It's, kinda, it's, it's trying to maintain one leg in the larger Christian community and one leg out, you yeah. know. And so, I mean, I remember, you probably do too, that for a long time the Mormon church was giving away King James Bibles on TV. Yeah, you know, call in that. and get that. For sure. And I, and I asked some missionaries, well, wait, that's a flawed document in your mind. Why aren't you sending Joseph Smith Bibles? Well, uh, and then to this day, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. That. It's a very odd thing. Because if I, if I had truth, uh, restored truth, and yeah. corrected biblical restored truth, I'd wave it around and say, hey, everybody, you got to read this, because this is a radical shift from what you thought was true, and, and be proud of that. But it, it, uh, that was one of my discoveries, is the Mormon church tries to, to, I don't know, blend in with the background of the Christian, you know. Well, we don't really look at the Joseph Smith translation as a working document. Right. It right. isn't what we used, uh, Mormons use, in yeah. their regular services and so on. It's almost never referred to unless it really emphasizes a particular point 
toward right. a favorable yeah. uh, conclusion. And it's, it's footnoted, footnoted in the King James right. publication. So right. yeah, and and I finally figured that out. But still, I thought. Man, you got a guy who's got a great edge on fixing truth, and you're not really promoting it. I don't yeah. get this, you know. So, what do you think Mormons most misunderstand about Christians? About and, Christians, yeah. there's there's actually quite a lot I've run into. One of the first things I ran into was people saying, accusing me of being in the pastorate just to get rich I and mean, to make money. Because we don't, you know, we. I had a guy on the phone say, "There's not a single uh, leader, ecclesiastical leader in the Mormon Church that's paid money." Yeah, we've certainly learned that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. So I, it stunned me for a second. It's the first I'd ever heard anyone say that. So I, I thought for a second and I well, said... Well, we took great pride in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he yeah. was too. At the time, Gordon Hinckley was president of the church. So I stopped for a second and I said, well, if that's true, then what's Gordon B. Hinckley's day job? <laughs> and there was a silence on the other end of the phone. He should have said he's retired, and I didn't think about that. But yeah. but he was saying, no, no one in the entire ecclesiastical structure he's gets paid. a salary. And yeah. That's not true. No. But that is, that's a falsehood that's propagated through the church. And, it, and it's used against people who sacrificially, you know, yeah. uh, get paid by small churches to be full-time pastors. Well, as you know, I've started co-hosting with Doris from time right. to time. And right. so I've had some people write to me and say, well, I guess you're making even more money now. Because right, you have your right. own show and you're on Doris's you're show. On TV. They don't realize that we actually pay. We pay to do for this. the airtime. <laughs> right. We pay for this. We pay for money yeah. for Doris's show. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, there's just there's no money in this at all. There's no. no but I mean, if you want to get technical about it, there's a lot of money in the Mormon Church, and yes, uh, there is. there's a high number of Mormons who are leaving the church because of City Creek Mall. There's a lot of money in that. I mean, yeah. it's very hard to figure out how a church can invest. I, what I've heard is $4 billion in a high-end fashion mall. And I get the investment side of it, but it's a church. And so so we, I, I get frustrated by the talk of money because Mormon yeah. Church has a lot. And, and I, you think of and the we have very little. <laughs> money that went into the temples and so on. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know you've probably interacted with a lot of Mormons, former Mormons. Any right. anecdotes or any little stories yeah, that you've thought of? Yeah, a couple. Of, one, one guy called me once to get... Uh, some DVD information, and I said, "Wait, while I got you on the phone, I got to ask you: How did you? How is it you came to leave the church? Because this was when I was first learning that there were people leaving the church. I thought it was an impossibility when I first moved here." <laughs> and and he said, "Oh, it's a great story." He says, "The word of wisdom is what got me out of the church." Oh, and I said, "What you wanted to drink? Is that what it was?" <laughs> he says, "No, no, no." He says, "My wife had horrible, debilitating migraine headaches," and. And he says, I went on the internet, found out that caffeine can really solve migraine headache problems. But, you know, we can't drink coffee. That's against the word of wisdom. Even at the time, Pepsi and Coke were off the list, yeah, you right. know, the caffeine thing. So he said, he said, what I did was we went on vacation and uh, left town so there's none of my ward around. And we <laughs> went into a restaurant. My wife had this horrible migraine headache. And I thought, honey, we're going to order coffee with our dinner and test this. So they, he said we went in, we ordered coffee. He said, oh, it tasted horrible. <laughs> eh, well, it's restaurant coffee. But he said, <laughs> sure enough, she drank a cup of coffee and her migraine was gone in under 10 minutes. Oh my we goodness. said, hey, how about that? And he said, we tried it several times on the trip Kept and working. it worked every time over and over and over. And so he said to himself, well, caffeine must be good. It kind of corroborates what I read on the internet. But coffee is actually good for my wife. So he said, it got me to wondering where the word of wisdom came from. So I started investigating how the word of wisdom came to be where it is. And he says, what I found out was that the word of wisdom started as a health advisory 
You not know? not as a a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. It was advice for healthy yeah. living. It wasn't it wasn't one of the questions to get a temple recommend. Yeah. And so that came much later. That came much later. And that that was really the crux of the thing for him because he said to himself, you know, I suddenly realized that that commandment was a man-made commandment. Boing. <laughs> and then he said the next the next suited route was I wonder what the other things are that I do that are man-made. So he started investigating started many of the other thinking. things he obeys, and, and he realized he realized at the end, oh my gosh, I'm living in a man-made religion. So I left. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I know. So it was it was just again, it's just when you slip into a critical thinking, and it's not Mormon bashing, and it's not anti-Mormonism. It's really saying it's just facts. Let me just weigh this for a second yeah. and see where this commandment came from, yeah. because I know that today, if I drink coffee, I'm not going to get a temple recommend. Does that make sense? So, <laughs> just a little critical thinking. You don't have to be nasty about it, no, but no. some things just don't weigh out. Well, when I first started, it was all of, all about Mormon literature. I was reading yeah. things that yeah. Mormons had written, right. and just realizing that there must be a there's a problem here somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, any any other little. Oh, we could, think of? We could probably spend a have long dozens, time. <laughs> <laughs> could spend a long time. I like that one though. But what I what I found is, is common to a lot of these is that someone gets to a point where something stops them. And for this guy, it was word of wisdom. It stopped him. He said something's kind of. They have to think about it. You have to think for a second. Yeah. And in that split second, when someone says, "I need to think about this. I need to weigh this." Uh, suddenly, a lot of what it's what I call an open door for the Holy Spirit, where suddenly you you say, "I need to." think differently and look sideways at this. And in that moment of doing that, uh, which is what happened to you, suddenly yeah. a lot of dominoes start to fall. And which is why I see why it is that the church, well, you know, uh, Uchtdorf said you need to doubt your doubts. Because if you, if you start one doubt and you start just saying, well, I need to weigh this a little bit. I'm not being anti-Mormon. I'm just being dutiful, yeah. you know, yeah. and testing things. It, it's gonna start a landslide of problems. But, but that has happened with everyone I've talked to. Some trigger and the, the different triggers are in completely impossible to predict and they're yeah. just all over the map the triggers but it brings them all to a common point where they say I need to think about this for a second yeah. and and test this. So. Well we've heard from a number of people that we've interviewed polygamy yeah. has affected yeah. a lot of people and now the church has come right. out with essays that have corroborated the the findings that Joseph Smith actually did marry women that were already married yeah. he and married 14 disturbed year disturbed a lot of people yeah. yeah I've had people comment about Isaiah 9 6 right because right. who's the mighty God the everlasting father is Jesus right right and then uh, the temple and the temple they go through yeah. that temple for the first time or something and they think what did I get myself into what yeah, is this? I've run into that a lot. That's probably the, the most common trigger that I found. Yeah, and and usually for women too. You know, when they, you know, they'll go into the temple around the time of their wedding for the first time, and so they just come out saying, "What was that?" Yeah, you know, and people have said, "I'll never go back." Yeah, I'll never go yeah. back in there. And it's a way. it's an effective strategy for not to not allow you know Latter Day Saints to talk to other Latter Day Saints who've never been in because yeah. you know it's gonna keep it all secret. You keep it secret, yeah. and I forget who it was. Uh, one of the general authorities basically was relating a, a story about his daughter having the same experience, and he said, "Honey, what you need to do is just keep going back, yeah. and it'll become more familiar to yeah. you." Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, if it's that weird, so it's a very common trigger, yeah. which is why I'll talk about that a lot with Mormons. I said, I don't want to, I don't want you to reveal what you've seen and heard there, 
But I want to tell you what's in the biblical temple because you need to know it's radically different, just totally different. radically different. Have you been to a, an LDS meeting? Yeah, several. Did you several. ever go to a fast and testimony meeting? Yes, I did, yeah. Was that, the, that was the most was recent like? one I went to. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was kind of crazy. Because <laughs> we saw people get up and say, say some things that would just never be mentioned in a, in a Christian church. And, and one of the things that I told one of my friends that, I, that used to work for me who was Mormon, uh, he, he asked me, he said, in general, you've been to, um, you know, to meetings. He said, what do you think of them, to sacrament meetings? And I said, well, here's my first impression, and it's still my lasting impression every time I go back. And the same with this fast and testimony. I said, I've never gone to a church meeting of any religion where people spend so much of their time telling each other it's true. Oh my goodness. Because you, you won't see that in a Christian church. You won't see people getting up saying, this is true, this is true, this is true. They just, they just live that it is. The Mormon church, without question of all the different contexts I've ever gone into, spends so much of his time telling itself it's kind true. Kind of reinforcing in yeah. a almost hypnotic, if not quite, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that, but it's very repetitious. In fact, yeah. Yeah. one time I was going to get up, after, or, oftentimes the youth would get up first, and right. different wards do different things, right. but the kids get up and they have kind of a rote, you know, I know the church is true, sure. I know the book of is true, I know Joseph Smith's a prophet, the, I know President Biden. Yeah, that yeah, right. <laughs> And I was actually going to get up and say that, oh. as, you know, just stand there kind of humbly, and just, that. And just spit out what the children say right. and make that my testimony because I certainly believed every word of it. Yeah. And yeah. I was just going to kind of say, okay, that's my testimony. Just what the children say. Right, right. And make it sound childish right. and, and then sit down. Yeah. And, and in a way now I realize that was mocking the, ki the kids. <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. But on the other hand, it, yeah. it's just now that I look back at it, it is very um, hypnotic so kind yeah. of it's very and, and you know what I run into with people who are who are struggling with leaving the church is that in leaving the church what they're saying in their actions is they're saying that every single person that I've ever respected in my life who've gone who've gone up fast and testimony and said I you know it's true I'm now telling saying that they're all liars mm. and that's that's a hard thing to do and you your know? family, your and friends. And your family and friends. And, every, and yeah. you know, you grow up in the church as a kid and you see people you respect and they're saying yeah. these things and you come to a different conclusion, then you realize, boy, I'm breaking with all those people. That's a hard thing. Is that, I was going to ask you, what do you think the Mormons have the most hard, those that have been former Mormons now, what do they have, what's the hardest thing for them to give up or... Oh boy, uh, the, the, the culture, the society, I mean, you're giving up, you're giving up everything. We have people in our church who had to leave the town that they lived in because they lost their business, because no one would come, they became, I mean, the, the whole culture that they were immersed in just blew up. And, uh, and that's so hard. And it's I don't, a see, I've never had to go through that, yeah. but I see it happen really close and personal, and it breaks my heart. It's, yeah. it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Well, the sad thing, too, and my son that I've talked about before in Arizona that says, you know, well, with, especially with my heart attack from a year sure. ago or so, he says, yeah. well, maybe God's giving you more time to come back. And my question <laughs> to him is always yeah. like, come back to what? Right, right. What, what I would have to give up and ignore and dismiss mm -hmm. in order for me to go back to be a Mormon, I just, it, it would be impossible. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. what I'm saying by that is once the light switch goes on, right. uh -huh. once the critical thinking kicks in, you can't just walk back and say, okay, I, I'll forget this. 
Right. It's kind of like you on the beach, you know, God's yeah. talked to you, and you, you're, you're going to remember that. From that point forward, things change. Things change. And yeah. so these people have to, they, when you're saying they're leaving towns and everything, or and I've sacrificed family and right. friends, right. because, but I can't ignore what I know. Right. I can't be a right. hypocrite. Right, right. And I knew, I knew always how God felt about hypocrites. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. To know one yeah. thing and then say one something else. Well, and, and something I say a lot is the fact that truth really matters. And not just because we want truth to be truth, but biblically speaking, the truth is there to warn us about uh, a dangerous condition all mankind is in, you know, in terms of sin. And, yeah. and so if you get that truth wrong, it's going to have eternal consequences. That, that's the only reason why we sort of look kind of pushy is because, you know, you don't want to wait and sort this out after you die because then it's too late. It's too late. So the truth, is, the truth is really super important to your future. So you better make sure you get it right. And you know, Joseph Smith coming along, the first thing you'd figure he would do is to discount the Bible. Right. I mean, it says right. in Second Nephi or something about a Bible, a Bible. We yeah, have, we a, have Bible. a Bible. One of the first things I read, I read yeah, that in a motel it? room once. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, there he, he dismisses he dismisses that. Yeah. Changes John 1.1. 1, 1. Right. The Word was with God. The right. Word was God. And then to this very day, you know, there's this doubt about whether it's been translated correctly. Yeah. I, I just take the offense of these days and tell people it's been proven translated yeah. correct. Well, believe so. it or not, we're about to the end. Yeah, and I, I think we'll go into a third session if I'm that's do that. okay. I'd be up for that. I, I think we've got some wonderful things yeah. yet to cover. Let me ask you about the different kinds of, well, we don't probably even have enough time, but real quickly, the different versions of the of the uh, of the Bible, of the because Bible, I yeah. think a lot of Mormons think that it's the the new versions are just King James versions messed up or transcribed or changed. Right, right. Yeah, having many translations is not a bad thing. In fact, they sort of support each other in that sense. Because King James was done in 1611. You think right. they found any new manuscripts and any new yeah, things Yeah, and most people don't know then? that the 1611 translators came from a Greek version that only used six or seven base documents of Greek you know, to, to base it off of. Now we have over 5,000. So th that really has fueled a lot of the newer translations. Yeah. But even at that, the King James is a great translation. Sure it is, and I love it. And it's what it, I use. Where it's different, it's just not doctrinally significant. But to have it in, in our current English is not bad. Sure. And sure. it isn't because they've taken precious things out of the right, King and James. that's the presumption. But English changes. English is different from 1611 till now, oh, and sure. so there's there's a lot of it that means something completely different. Uses yeah. the English words we use today, that which mean opposite. So yeah. So just just tracking new translations to track the migration of the language, English language, is a good thing. Yeah. So the Bible and all its different versions are trustworthy, reliable. Are. Yeah. So, well, again, we we are out of time and. One thing I'd like to mention, as I do before, uh, or have before, is that you're following the gospel of Joseph Smith and not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He added from to the Bible, took away things. He's just the doctrine and covenants and all the different revelations are, are man-made. And uh, appreciate you watching, and I hope you've learned something tonight. We'll we'll continue this discussion next week. So, good night, and we'll see you next week. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. 
From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon. Thank you.